0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from Stock Florida. Joining us, we've got a, a very full docket here of folks from – let's start with Mariv Safir. Mariv is joining us from Tel Aviv. We have Alan Steinberg joining us from New York and from the Tampa Bay area. We have, of course, Joe Henderson and Tom Jackson. Uh, hope everyone is doing well, and uh, gang, uh, we have Nikki Haley, who was come out as the newest appointee, uh, or at least proposed appointee, I should say, from Donald Trump, the president-elect. And any thoughts on Ms. Haley and uh, what she might be doing as the um, United Nations representative from the United States?
1: Well, I have just this, this just in uh Jim, this is Tom okay. here. Uh this this just in according to NBC News, she has accepted Okay. the uh the invitation. So it's apparently official. When the president believes you have a major contribution to make to the welfare of our nation and to our nation's standing in the world, and that is a calling that is important to heed, Haley said. So she is uh she's going to Turtle Creek, uh Turtle Bay.
0: Mm, there you go. So, I have a thought
1: on the uh, entire uh,
2: foreign policy appointments, if I may. Of
0: course, uh, Emily.
2: This is this is the first time in about a year and a half where I've had two days of compliments for Donald Trump. I have first time I've had laudatory things to say about him. Uh, I was very dismayed by his early appointments when uh, he appointed uh, uh, Jeff Sessions, who uh, has a very bad position on the Civil Rights Act of '65, the Voting Rights Act. Steve Bannon. I'm very very uh, opposed to because of his uh, alliance with the alt-right, and also Mike Flynn, who I think is going to be the chief foreign policy formulator for a number of reasons. But I was impressed with Trump yesterday in the New York Times interview. Now he seems to be veering towards the center, and he may have some grand strategy where he's trying to unite all the elements of the party, and that's where Nikki Haley plays a role. She's a uh, center-right individual. Uh, she has very good uh, relations among all the various ethnic and religious groups. Uh, the United Nations ambassador historically has not been a formulator of policy. It's been an advocate, most particularly Pat Moynihan when he was Gerald Ford's ambassador to the U.N. But nevertheless, she will be a very good outreach person uh, for the United States of America and U.N. Uh, the key to Trump foreign policy, though, uh, will be his secretary of state appointment. Is he going to appoint? a person who will be his chief policy formulator uh, like Henry Kissinger was. Uh, if you recall, Nixon appointed Bill Rogers to be Secretary of State. He was the chief diplomat, and Henry Kissinger was the chief policy formulator, and then later Henry became, in the second term, uh, both the chief policy formulator and the chief diplomat. Uh, if he appoints a Mitt Romney, I think he'll be the chief diplomat rather than the chief policy formulator. And then Mike Flynn will be the chief policy formulator. And that would give me some concern.
0: Okay. Anybody else want to weigh in on the possibility of a Mitt Romney um, secretary of state position?
3: Well, I kind of like it, to be honest with you, mostly because those closest to Trump don't like it. So um, I figure that's got to be a good thing, considering who some of his closest allies are. And, uh, you know, uh, if if Romney was qualified to be president and i and i think we all uh, agree that he would have been
0: mm-hmm.
3: then he certainly should be qualified to be secretary of state and i think he would be a uh, uh a steady hand on the wheel is that a good way to put it tom jackson
1: i think that's exactly right i think that uh, that, that mitt is is eminently qualified for this position he's uh as as the head of a multinational corporation once upon a time as the head of uh of the salt lake city olympics that were moribund and corrupt uh, corruption ridden when he took over and he dealt with uh he dealt with the ioc i think that he knows his way around the globe a little bit um and and i think that uh given uh, given his his performance in the campaign Four years ago, it seems that he understood what was going in the world, going on in the world, even better than the president of the United States did at the time. Um, and so, I, I would not worry about him being a shrinking violet as far as as uh, as far as policy is concerned. I mean, Flynn is going to be a, a staunch advocate for his positions. Um, which might worry some po- some folks on the left and the center left uh, that he's that he's a little bit too bellicose for their tastes, but I think that he has a real he has a real politic view of uh, of Islamism in the world, and uh, his is what he's written apparently in his books about Russia is not nearly as fawning as he has been in his public statements about Putin. Uh, I, I think that bears watching. Uh, but but Romney is nobody's fool, and he understands what the what the Russian threat is. And uh, I, I think, as Joe has said, he'd be a steady hand and a clear-eyed representative of what's best for America.
0: Marav, well, you are in an interesting situation. You're in the Middle East. How so far has um, Donald Trump been? being elected president, how is that playing out so far in the Middle East?
4: Oh, well, specifically in Israel, it's got both ends of the spectrum, and uh, the way the Israeli government has been handling it has been uh, very interesting, and, and actually a directive that was sent out to members of the Israeli parliament that saying not to reach out directly to the Trump campaign, still trying to keep somewhat of a, a balance that we saw also in the lead-up to these elections, and not choosing sides, and not running ahead. Of course, Many in Jerusalem are very excited about the idea of a Trump uh, administration actually moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. So how it'll play out, we'll have to see once he actually takes position and uh, enters the White House. But in Israel, there have been uh, mixed reactions. Even uh, as we saw in the United States, there have been so many Facebook groups of uh, women who still advocate for Hillary Clinton, Clinton, the, the Pantsuit Nation. There was even one that was started here in Israel that I've been following of women who are still pushing to see that first female president and worries that they're saying about Donald Trump, especially when it comes to the Jewish community, because the community has been very split, not only in Israel, but also in the United States, obviously. In Israel, we actually, for the first time, saw a leaning towards the Democratic Party, even though in the last elections there's been a much stronger push to the right and to the Republicans rather to the Democrats. Because of who the two nominees were, we saw something more of a bigger balance. Now, as for how Jews in the States should react, it's still a very split uh, opinion here in Israel based on what we've seen come out since the, the, Donald Trump won the nomination or won the presidency. Uh, Excuse me.
2: I have quite three quick points, if I may, uh, Jim. Uh, ahead, going, uh. uh Expanding on uh, what Marav said. Uh, Marav, and this is not said counter to what you said. I know in Israel many people are excited about the possibility of a move to Jerusalem, but I will bet my bar mitzvah money that never happens. I've heard that promise in the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt again and again and again. If uh, the United States, I would love to see the United States move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, but it's not going to happen uh, for fear of how the Arab oil interests may react to that and uh, other sectors of the Arab world. Uh, secondly, And I, I
4: completely – no, I, I just want to say that I, I completely agree with that. As much as Israelis would love to see the embassy move to Jerusalem, there has to be a lot taken into consideration, including a reaction to it. We've seen several intifadas, and we don't know exactly what will come if such a dramatic <laughs> – just such a drastic and dramatic move is made. We've My already son was... Authority come out vocally against it.
2: My son was in Israel as a student at Hebrew University during the Intifada of 2000-2001, so I remember that all too well. The other two points are this. Uh, The split in the American Jewish community is likely to become even more acute. If Keith Ellison, who is uh, borderline anti-Semitic and uh, very anti-Israel, if he becomes the chair of the Democratic National Committee, I think the Democratic Party is uh, going to lose a lot of support in the Jewish community. But the third point is this. I didn't want to confuse anybody. I'm very pro Mitt Romney as Secretary of State. I would love to see him become the chief policy formulator. I'm a Mitt Romney fan. I backed him for the presidency when he ran against John McCain in 2008. I just don't think it is likely that he would become uh, Trump's chief policy formulator. I think that uh, Mike Flynn is likely to play that role. If, on the other hand, Romney becomes a Secretary of State, and it seems to be leaning that way, and he does become the chief policy formulator, I think the outlook would be uh, very positive. He's more likely to be a practitioner of real politics than Mike Flynn for two reasons. Number one, Flynn is very ideological on the question of Islam. He doesn't really see the nuances, as far as I'm concerned, between the fundamentalist and the mainstream. And the second thing is, I have a lot of concerns about Flynn, that he's been a pay-to-play guy. Uh, He got a lot of money from Turkey, and he gave a pro-Turkish speech, at least from a Turkish concern he got it from. And he was on Russia TV where he got some money from them. So there are some real ethical questions surrounding Mike Flynn. Even the National Review, which is very conservative, has weighed in in large part uh, with concerns about that nomination.
0: This just in, by the way, folks, Betsy DeVos, who of course is a prominent advocate of school choice and charter schools, has been uh, tapped as uh, President-elect Trump's education secretary. So so no Michelle Reed. That, No. Uh,
3: that one uh, that one's going to set some people's hair on fire. Uh Good. You know, uh, it's well down. Yeah, um sure. And um you know th- th- that is an area I think uh, I think we can all agree that for all of the areas of conflict we talk about uh, between the left and right, it is most pronounced uh I think in education, and starting uh, as we saw right here in Florida with uh, Jeb Bush, who um, is it fair to call him the father of vouchers, Tom?
1: I think it is. I was, yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely right. I, I would say and the father, the father of school choice, is what I would say.
3: Uh, yeah, and and we've seen it expand here in Florida to where it is becoming a drain on public school money, and um, not so that, now, that's what, not true. That's, that's a oh, statement yesterday. without
1: evidence. That's yes, a, that's it a is. statement without evidence.
3: Yeah, I'll go check the state budget. And then what we're seeing... Uh, record if, high individuals
1: this, uh, for people spending. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Well, What we're seeing with this choice of Betsy DeVos is a clear signal uh, by the Trump administration that uh, they're on the side of vouchers and uh, school choice, so you know, here we go. Uh, a big, big line of uh, disagreement um, has, has has just been raised. It's kind of a, pardon the pun, but it's a, it's going to be, a, that's a wall. And, as
2: controversial uh, as uh, Betsy DeVos may be, Michelle Reed w- was controversial on some elements of the right because she favored Common Core. So Betsy DeVos is kind of a <laughs> compromise choice in that sense but you're right uh, I think Michelle Reed would have set the whole building on fire Betsy DeVos will set the air on fire
3: well and I wonder uh, you raise a good point about Common Core I wonder if this is the uh, in essence the end of Common Core I think there's a pretty good chance it, it may be. be
2: it may be I'm not happy about that I'm a conservative who favored Common Core I remember when Bill Bennett and other conservatives were talking about the need for standards and they were right. I, conservatism nowadays seems to have lost its way, and it's very
1: problematic for me. Well, but here's here's the thing about what it, it's the same as as with Obamacare, and once you start setting standards, then you have to also implement the the the, the mechanism that gets you to achieving those standards. I mean, it, it, you can't you just the the federal government can't leave well enough alone to say. Here are our standards now, all you fifty states be the be the laboratories that the founders thought that you might be and figure out the best way to to achieve these standards once you once you have standards coming from the federal government and i and I don't think that that I don't think that that's a bad idea then uh then you have to, then the mechanism to achieve those standards also comes in that's why that's why I think. The idea of of trying to support the best parts of Obamacare and then fix and, and and fix what's wrong with it that my illusion there is the the whole the whole idea of Obamacare uh, or at least ninety percent of Obamacare is based on the idea that you have to get the uninsurable insured and you can't do that without having a mandate that says everybody gets insured so that over time people who have pre-existing conditions uh die out of the system and only all, all you have is pre-insured people uh the, the it's not a bad idea to try to insure everybody but the pain of going through that is something that the american public is rebelling against it's not a bad idea to have standards for the nation but the mechanics of it are what we are are, are against um and i and i think that you guys are right that that naming Betsy DeVos to to this to this role to head education means common core is in big trouble
3: well and and the thing that that really i i think gets under my skin a little bit is um when you hear you know conservatives and and i'm i'm not lumping you in with this group tom but uh to when you when you hear some conservatives or people say in the name of conservatism that they don't want this big federal obelisk in in Washington telling them what to teach in in school in Zephyr Hills, Florida, what you wind up with uh, is situations like we've seen in Texas where the the issue of what is actually taught in school the facts that are should every thinking American should know essentially get censored uh in the name of, of stupidity, I think is a good word. Um Texas there were there were officials in in no, Texas. No
1: condescension is getting thick on this podcast.
3: Uh, well, you know, it 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 it's <laughs> it's what I do. But uh you know, what about the schools in Texas that that would were trying to teach that slavery was just a little minor issue in the Civil War and didn't really have that much to do with what was happening. Uh-huh. Or when they they start wanting to teach um, the Bible in public high schools and public schools, or the, the notion that evolution is is, you know, a fantasy, or, you know, we all know the arguments. That's where I think the need for federal intervention comes in and goes, Oh, wait a minute. You know, you're going to teach, if you want to call it Common Core or whatever, you're going to teach people how to think and how to, that there are certain truths that are just facts and you're not going to change them just to suit your ideology. Tom?
1: <laughs> there are, well, <laughs> I, I am. I am no. I am no evangelical Christian. I am. I, I am a. I am a good Presbyterian, which means that we don't know what the heck is going on in the world, or, or in the, in, in the, in the divine creator's thoughts. Um, but having said that, there are there are holes in the in the fossil record. There are holes here and there that that continue to show that evolution is indeed a theory if and and there is lots of evidence to back it up but there are enough holes in it to to hold out the idea that you know what at the at the at the origin and this is what and this is what the the anti-creationist scientific community wants you to believe is that is that this all just sort of happened well i i see a broad range there for for a creator being involved at some point in the the start of the universe and setting things in motion and perhaps even even having having a hand over time and what happened uh how how you how you teach that and don't get into separation violating separa- separation of church and state i think that's I I just don't know how you do it. But I have not taken those I I've never taken an education course so I, I you know I'm I'm limited in my knowledge on that front. But I mean what? the 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 whole idea of of what kids are going to learn in their individual schools in their individual states. I mean the complaint about common core is what we've heard here in Hillsborough County for the last several years and if not if not the past 15 or 20 and that is all the kids do is learn about what they're going to be taking on a test. They teach to the test. They teach to the test. We've got to pull back from that for sure.
2: Well, you've had this problem on the left also. In California,
1: it, a lot of the
2: history courses taught uh, basically have a uh, common uh, core, to use a pun, they have a uh, course uh, centrality that focuses on America as an aggressive nation, that wipes out minority rights, that enslaves people, that stands for no good in this world. So I think history, for example, which is my uh, main intellectual focus, uh, has been so politicized by both the right and the left in the uh, high schools and secondary schools of this country uh, to have problems regardless of uh, whose ideology weighs in. There's not enough focus on the facts in history courses. And I think Common Core, if you had a consensus of people, Uh, would work very well i also think there is a way to enforce it and the way to enforce it is uh, by having uh, what had been suggested in the administration of george w bush the various test scores will tell you uh whether uh, the various schools are meeting the standards i know one of one problem i've had with the teachers unions and my late mother uh, was a wonderful teacher and i am a conservative who happens to be pro teacher but a lot of times teachers don't want to be Accountable for their students, I understand that too. But I think testing is one mechanism of evaluation, as is observation.
0: Morav, what's the situation with regard to um, schools in Israel? Um, how do they well, handle this there's problem? There's
4: actually been there's been a similar debate in Israel over the last couple of years. That exactly, you know, Israeli schools teach Tanakh, which is uh, the Bible, and there has been a discussion because it seems that schools were being pushed to teach more and more of the Bible and less of math and science. And Israel likes to pride itself on being the startup nation with so many different uh, technological companies that are based out of Israel and are founded here. So there's been a big push from the, the left to increase math and science in schools rather than the focus on the Bible. And there's been, over the last couple of years, a lot of discussions about what exactly is said in school books when it comes down to facts, how everything is phrased, that can make it look more towards the Israeli right wing. So this is a discussion that's been in Israel for the past couple of years that there really hasn't been an answer to yet. So I can't – and a way to go and what we should be done from here, I can't give you much of a path because this is something that Israel is still battling every day after priding itself on being the Jewish state. But how much of Jewish history and the Bible should you teach in public schools?
3: Does I, I'd be curious to know. Um, we talk a lot here in the in the United States about the separation of church and state, you know, and and particularly when it comes to education. Um, is is that it sounds like that's not really an issue in Israel, but maybe it's becoming one. Is 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 there any kind of a policy on do you do they you say they teach the Bible, but do they teach like Do they teach it as history or do they teach it as religion?
4: They do teach it as religion. There are separate history classes now. I do take into account that I didn't go through middle school, high school, or college in Israel, so I can't give you specific details. I did do schooling here when I was younger, and we were taught the Bible as a separate class. And, of course, now that you have Naftali Bennett from the right-wing Jewish Home Party as an education minister, it's become more and more of a topic of discussion over the last year and a half since that election that brought him to this position. So even though the U.S. prides up on separation of church and state in Israel, when you call yourself the Jewish state, you're putting yourself in that position where religion is a part of society. And when you speak about the Israeli anthem, it does also mention the Jewish state, which is something that if you've spoken to even people from the Arab community who say that they do want to be part of Israel, that's something that has really stumped them, that they want to be part of a country that prides itself on only one religion. And then it also brings into question different Arab communities that do have uh, predominantly Arab and Muslim schools, and they teach something else that is not Jewish uh, religion. And it brings and becomes more and more complicated, specifically in public schools.
0: That's more severe. And earlier, Joe Henderson asked that question, where you have Alan Steinberg. Tom Jackson. I'm Jim Williams, your host here at the Politically Incorrect podcast. Um, guys, some of the things that are, I'm going to throw some topics out some to get some quick responses from you all and see what you think. Ben Carson in charge of HUD, up or down on that one? Down.
2: Ben Carson is a wonderful surgeon who should stick with surgery. I mean, some of the politically he's not the sharpest uh pencil in the deck i think his statement where he said that he didn't feel competent to run a federal agency because he didn't have experience there well what was he doing running for president of the united states which is the head of all the agencies
0: maybe someone should have told ben that okay um <laughs> how about it was
1: an ego trip from the get-go it was a a way to enlarge his contact base and uh I'm afraid the good doctor was looking at a late career padding of his wallet.
0: Well, he's in Palm Beach down the street from Trump. They'll figure it out. Um, Rudy Giuliani for anything.
2: It's a problem because he has more conflicts of of interest than uh, the whole swamp that Donald Trump talked about draining in Washington. He received money from an Iranian uh, terrorist group to get him off the terror list. He received money from Qatar. The man has made a fortune from speaking fees, and here he went around in vain against Hillary Rodham Clinton. I think his confirmation hearing would – the only confirmation hearing that would be worse would be a Chris Christie confirmation hearing. Uh, One thing about Trump, he's nobody's fool, and I don't think he he feels indebted to Rudy, but I don't think he – Wants to take on on all that baggage, and I also think Rudy has lost a step or two in uh, in terms of uh, his quick thinking
1: capacity. He's not a young man anymore. Yeah, Rudy has been uh, dining out for 15 years on on his response to 9/11, and and I I think that Alan right. is right on the money that that uh, unless he's on his meds, he's he he says and does <laughs> things that are just Way outside the realm of of where Trump needs to go, and and I I, I think that here's here's the thing I I think that tr- the the Trump one of one of Trump's um, uh, great traits that people have have uh, have praised throughout the campaign is that the man is loyal to people who are loyal to him, but one of the things that a, that a, a president cannot be is loyal to those people around him he has to be loyal to his vision he has he has to be loyal to his pole star assuming Donald Trump has one I, from his from his interview with the New York Times yesterday i don't think that he's loyal to anything except the people who are in the room with him at any, at, at any given moment um uh, but he 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 needs to show no loyalty whatsoever to to the good soldier that Rudy was throughout the campaign or to Chris Christie, because they will take him in a direction that the country does not need to go.
2: But you know what, Tom? I found I would- the <laughs> Times. Look, no, no one was more negative towards Donald Trump than I was. But uh, I found the Times interview encouraging in four, four quick things. Number one, he was open-minded on climate change. Number two, he did not want to prosecute or persecute Hillary Clinton, Rodham Clinton. Uh, number three, he came out against waterboarding, and number four, he seems inclined to listen to Mattis, uh, General Mattis, whom I believe would be a terrific defense secretary. So uh, I still am critical of Trump, but my opinion uh, went up a step or two because of that interview.
3: Well, well back on Giuliani.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, I was going to say
3: back on back on Giuliani for just a second. Uh, very quick point: if he somehow gets into the administration. Which I think uh, is looking a little more doubtful because I, uh, it, without any direct knowledge of this, I would say that uh, perhaps even Mike Pence is telling uh, Donald Trump, "Look, this is not a good idea. He's going to get you in trouble." I would say, but if Giuliani does get into the administration, he would be my early favorite for the most likely Trump, uh, you know, uh, confidant. Uh, to be indicted, he'll do something really stupid, and uh, shouldn't be allowed anywhere near anything important, especially when, in the international world. That would be—I don't even want to—I don't even want to fathom that. So, uh, I anyway, back, Tom, you were saying something. I interrupted.
1: Well, um, I, I, I like—I like half of of what came out. I, I, I like half of his pivots. Uh, the the uh, the Mattis uh, revelation is is encouraging, and uh, the idea that he will not actively pursue prosecution against Hillary Clinton works for me. I mean, I, I wrote a column after James Comey came out in July to say that there's nothing prosecutable here. I said that that okay that now falls to. To the voters to decide whether whether she needs to be rejected and she has been rejected therefore i think i think uh, uh, that's condign punishment for her that she is that this thing that she has pursued her entire life uh will be denied her and it's largely because of the actions that she took setting up that private server and getting in deep with the with the foundation that's among the reasons that the American people, uh, in, in enough states to deliver the electoral college, rejected her. That is, I think, probably punishment enough. I wouldn't stand. In, I wouldn't stand in the way of the FBI continuing its investigations of, of the foundation, and let that go where it will. But for for, for Trump now to be backing off on on climate change as a man-made phenomenon worries me a little bit because then that that leads that that perhaps leads him to not being as enthusiastic about producing all the energy that we can possibly produce in this country uh means the the, the pipeline projects perhaps remain in limbo uh what are we going to do about that trillion trillion uh barrel find of of oil in West Texas that will have to be fracked out. I mean things like things like that as measured through somebody who says, yes, man-made climate change is real, that worries me because I, I, I'm not sure that the evidence on that is, is really in. I'm a skeptic. I'm not a denier. I'm a skeptic, and I would li- I'd like my president to be a skeptic as well.
0: Marav, so what there. do you think about climate change? Is there a lot going on?
4: I I have to disagree with that. I, I want would like a president, of course. Obviously, I'm today, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I do live in Israel at the moment. That does look ahead and not just about financial decisions. Now, when it comes to using up uh, natural resources, but looks ahead to further generations. And if it has been something that's been so spoken about, and we saw the different um, climate change conferences and the Paris Agreement. That this isn't something that stands alone with the United States. This is something that all the major powers around the world have come together to try and tackle that. We do need to take steps forward with it. And I would like to see Donald Trump backtrack on what he said so far about climate change and look towards our children's generations and our grandchildren's generations and not necessarily you know, what will be best at the moment for, as in terms of generating more revenue and using up our natural resources.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, you know, as, as, as again as we fly through some some notes here here's one that i think is very interesting and, and it happened this week and and i'm really excited about getting everybody's point on this one and we'll throw it to to joe henderson first um uh, donald trump had a a fun meeting uh with his networks in uh in trump tower to start things off this week and uh Basically, um, they all went down there, and, and he, according to uh, the New York Post, um, which is, you know, right no twenty percent of the time, but when it comes to Donald Trump, it's right more often than not. Uh, there was more than just a a cordial conversation between the group. As a matter of fact, according to the Post, uh, he was very adamant uh, against. CNN and and dressed down Jeff Zucker for what uh, he called uh, a group of liars. I think is the actual quote. So, um, what say you on the state of the press and Mr. Trump, Joe?
3: Well, it was an interesting um, conflict there. First off, you know Trump's relation uh, with the press uh, is, is never a um, is never a surprise. We all kind of uh, got a a glimpse of that during the campaign. So if he felt the need to take a victory lap, uh, which I think that probably was, I would say he earned it because the press did get it wrong uh, when it came to the election. Um, I was wrong. We were all wrong. Uh, And the Trump people uh kept saying all along, you're wrong. Yeah, you're you're spreading a false narrative here. Well you know, Hillary is not inevitable. Well, they were right, press was wrong. So if he wanted to hang on the rim on that one and 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 scream your mama at him, then I think I think uh <laughs> he had his uh he had a Michael uh, Jordan you know,
0: moment. Is that what you're trying uh, to say, Joe?
3: Exactly. Cool. Uh hey you know, you you won, man. So uh, go ahead. Uh, I thought the better meeting probably took place uh, a day or so later when he met with the New York Times. And that was a whole lot more uh, substantive by all accounts. And, you know, clearly he, uh, he was trying to mend some fences there. And the the times had been very very critical of him just a, a couple of days before the meeting over his cabinet choices, and uh, if he was bearing any grudge over that, it 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 didn't show uh, in what came out of that meeting. So, it's going to be a roller coaster ride with this guy for the next four years, or you know at least until he gets impeached. And the you know what he the press is always going to be a target. Especially among the the most fervent of Donald Trump supporters, and I think any time he gets cornered, uh, whatever it is, he's going to blame the press, and that's going to be very popular. So, yeah, you know, what he did the other day was kind of expected.
0: Hey, I, I think he made quick. a mistake with that. Yeah, Alan, just one uh, quick uh, aside here, real quick. Uh, when I saw it with CNN, you know, Jeff Zucker, uh, he and Jeff Zucker have a history from the apprentice when zucker was at nbc but um anyway uh i was just thinking it's a good thing that ted turner is no longer in charge of cnn because he would be the first executive to literally be stopped from the secret service for wanting to hit him um because i i can't I, i couldn't fathom seeing ted you know uh if somebody would have called someone on CNN a liar during the time that Ted was running CNN, it was a different CNN at that point. Uh, I, I just – I could just see Ted going off on Trump, and that would have been uh, – he might be in jail this morning. I I don't know, but it would have been a very interesting optic. Anyway, Alan, I'm sorry I cut you on that one. Go for it.
2: I think he made a bad mistake. I think he should have handled the press, which is going to be adversarial to him, no question about it that Ronald Reagan had an adversarial relationship with the press, but it was never ad hominem. It was never personal. In fact, various people who were critical of him, like Dan Rather, for example, who is very much a liberal ideologue, was often uh, quoted saying that he personally liked Reagan. There is a way of having an adversarial relationship which doesn't become polarizing. And right now, America is a very polarized nation. I would not have blamed Donald Trump for saying, hey, you guys were all full of baloney. You were all wrong. But he didn't have to call them liars and inveigh against their personal character the way he did. That's not going to lead to fruitful dialogue. And uh, we need a president at this point who plays the role of a healer. He played the role of a healer and unifier with the New York Times. He did not do that with the various networks.
0: How about you, Tom Jackson?
1: I'm, I'm going to second everything that my, uh, my colleague Joe Henderson had to say about this. This was uh, uh, this was a long coming uh, blowout. Uh, the, the Trump didn't. I mean, Trump is is a big whiner. There's no question about that. Uh, and of course, he's succeeding somebody who's a big whiner, so that won't be much of a change. Uh, and and for him to to yell at them about the way he was treated during the during the campaign once it became. A, uh, I, I don't think that he had any complaints during the primaries, but once the general began and the networks had the uh, the candidate that they most wanted to to have the GOP nomination and they roughed him up uh, for him to, to dish out payback, I'm perfectly fine with that. We've got four more years to figure out how this works. I mean, remember remember when uh, when George H. W. Bush became president, he went around saying the pages. The, the, the page is turned. We're going to be kinder and gentler. He, he went out of his way to to reach out uh, to the media, and they were not at all reluctant to to hand him his head uh, any any chance they got. So I I think that Trump has merely drawn a bright line, and and I'm fine with that.
4: Maros. I think it's going to be an interesting at least four years between Donald Trump and the press. Uh, For a lack of a better term, uh, Trump played them during the entire election campaign. He knew, at least from my point of view, he knew exactly what to say to keep every uh, news cycle drawn to him, whether it was negatively or positively. And, there, you know, he he rode that wave uh, all the way to the White House. And it's going to be an interesting dynamic between the two for the next four years.
0: Sean Hannity, of course, um, said that uh, Donald Trump should try to freeze the press out. Now, Trump has done a wonderful job of going through Twitter, through Facebook, through YouTube to get his message out in a much more economical way than uh, most campaigns did. Do you all see that uh, he's going to take an alternative way and control the message himself?
2: Well, he did something very shrewd this weekend. I had to give him credit for shrewdness. Uh, He will use the alternative media, but when he made a big deal over the uh, controversy with the Hamilton cast, that buried the very bad story he was getting on this settlement on Trump University, where basically he was uh, paying people $25 million in response to their complaint that he had defrauded them. That would have been a horrible story, but it got submerged by the Hamilton story. So this is a person... For all my criticisms of him, who has a very shrewd sense of marketing, a very shrewd sense of message, who'll use whatever message works for him, and he's developed such a cult following on Twitter that he's likely to continue with that.
0: One of the things I'm interested in finding out is will there be a media outlet who gets their press credentials pulled from the White House? If that happens, it's a bad move. Well, yeah, if it yeah, happens, you, it'll be the first time it's ever happened. But yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, that would be that would be very bad. That would be very bad. And the why that would be bad it, is it's you never want to set a precedent,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And
3: a president has to put his or her stamp on on the office. I understand that, but once. Once you cross that line and say, okay, I don't like your coverage uh, from whatever media outlet you're talking about, then okay. Then when the cycle shifts, as it inevitably will, back toward the Democrats, then they're going to go, okay, Fox, uh, you don't get credentials because we don't like your coverage. And it that starts a slippery slope that you just can't you just can't do and besides that there's so many ways to to get find out stuff anyway you don't actually have to have credentials uh you know to in order to be effective and uh, you do it you essentially uh, kind of um, remove a a check and balance on on an organization when you when you do that because what else have they got to lose so bad idea bad idea
0: yeah the history i
1: i've 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 watched enough i've watched enough uh network tv about presidential uh, you know i've watched enough west wing and i've watched enough uh (laughs) movies about presidents (laughs) to know that people individuals getting their white house credentials lifted that's not unusual i mean uh uh, that, uh, right. that's, a, that's a center. That's a centerpiece of uh, of, of the Kevin Spacey uh, Netflix show. I mean, that that just happens House all the cards. time. That's that due. Yeah, House of Cards. Thank you. Uh, that's that happens in due course. But to actually lift the credentials of an entire news organization, as, as the fellows say, and that's that is without precedent. I don't think that that is a bridge that Donald Trump wants to cross. Because once he does that, then the other responsible news organizations are going to pull back as well uh, and say, "If they can't come in, nobody's coming in All right? it, it, it just it becomes and then and then you d- indeed have the adversaries and, and I think that the the American people would see that as as a throwdown against the people's right to know what's going on.
0: All right. Well, I'll tell you what, it's time for last call in social media. So tell you what, let's start with Marav. You are our guest today, and as we get ready for a wonderful Thanksgiving, we hope that everybody enjoys themselves. Um, Marav, what are you going to be looking for over the next, uh, you know, few days with regard to topics that you want to pay attention to?
4: Topics that I want to pay attention to, that's uh, a tough one. Well, first of all, Thanksgiving tomorrow, even though thousands of miles away, us yes, Americans have a tendency to still uh, roast the turkeys and sit down for dinner. So definitely looking forward to that. But one of the things that I've been paying attention to from here, something that we touched upon earlier, is uh, the divide in the Jewish community in the United States and uh, the alt-right and what we've been seeing going on with white supremacy. And those are topics that, at least for me, with still family living in the United States and friends who have walked by swastikas painted on storefronts in Philadelphia or their Jewish schools in Vermont, it is something that I've been paying a lot of a lot of attention to, and not necessarily in connection with Donald Trump, but just in seeing where society is moving in the United States.:
1: Mr. Jackson, I will be watching carefully to see what goes on in the in the coming weeks with the management of the Trump Empire as Donald Trump moves ever closer to inauguration. Uh, I, I don't know what the resolution on that is going to be, how he's going to divest, if he's going to divest, if there's going to be a blind trust, what's going to happen with the children. But I think that that is one of uh, one of the great intrigues that has to be resolved um, bef- before the man raises his hand and puts raises his right hand, puts the left hand on the Bible. Um, that's that's got to be sorted out. Otherwise, there's just going to be way too much intrigue moving forward. … for him to have a very successful first 100 days, and from what I saw on his on his YouTube video, I like most of what I saw in his action plan for the first 100 days. I'd hate for him to get sidetracked based on what's going on with Mar-a-Lago.
0: Well, there's no case law that says he can't continue to run his businesses. I mean that's just of something people have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, we still haven't seen his tax returns. So, what gives you the reason to believe that he's <laughs> going to step away from this?
1: I'm just saying, I, I
0: and I know that I I know that it was probably
1: baked in the cake for those those 62 odd million Americans who voted for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they might not even care, but half the country is going to care very deeply, um, and and so that's that's what that's about. By the way, social media. Um, Yes, please. You can find me on. You can find me on Facebook at Tom Jackson, journalist, entrepreneur, and you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Thomas Jacks Tampa at T H O M A S
0: J A X Tampa. So there. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, Marab. Did you get yours in? I didn't hear your Twitter handle.
4: I did not, you can find me on a Twitter with, uh, at uh, Merav underscore Severe, and it's spelled M-E-R-A-V as in Victor, S-A-V-I-R.
0: Thank you very much. Mr. Steinberg. Uh,
2: two two quick things. Number one, in New York, we lost a great man today of class, of uh, dignity. A good and great man passed away, Ralph Franca, who made history in New York. He was known for the Shot heard wound the world that Bobby Thompson hit off him on October 3rd, 1951. But ultimately, he played a great role in American history with his alliance with Jackie Robinson when Jackie broke the color barrier in baseball and relied so heavily on Ralph as a supportive friend. He will be missed. I'm going to be focused a lot, not on my Republican Party, but on the Democratic Party over the next few weeks. They have a chance to begin to appeal once again to white working class voters that they lost to Donald Trump if they elect Tim Ryan as the leader of the House Democrats. If they re-elect Nancy Pelosi, they'll continue to be a boutique party of the left, and the Trump voters will remain with the Republican Party. And the election of Keith Ellison, if he's elected as the Democratic National Committee chair, that will drive, be a spur to drive a lot of uh, members, my fellow members of the Jewish community, out of the Democratic Party into the Republican Party. Uh, my social media, uh, my Twitter handle is @a_steinberg613, and uh, my uh, Facebook page is Alan Joel Steinberg.
1: Look forward to hearing from all. Joseph. May I interject a? May I interject a a a, uh, a Ralph Branca story? Um, yeah, go ahead. Way 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 back in the day when we still had black and white televisions, and that's primarily what everybody had. Ralph Branca showed up. On the show Concentration, and right. had a remarkable run. I mean, the first I, I I was I was too young really to have a sense of baseball history at the time. I just thought this guy Ralph Frankel was one hell of a concentration player. And and they and they and the uh, who was the host Bud Collins. At, at some point he asked him, "You Downs, how are you, you Downs? You, that's right, you Downs. He, uh, you asked him, how are you so good at this?'" And he says, "I had to know." So many signs and so many changes of signs that it really sharpened my memory on the my, uh, on the run. So this is kind of easy for me. So that's how I learned about Ralph Frank, a great concentration player in the early 1960s.
4: Well, Graduate he and Bobby Thompson NYU. used
0: to travel around the the country talking about the game. So they became good friends long um, not long after um, not long after the shot heard around the world.
2: Two class individuals.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Joe, did I get you yet? No. You're hitting back. I'm You're just... getting cleanup. Go. <laughs> yeah, okay. <clears throat> well, I'm going to watch uh,
3: a couple of things. One, um, I want to see if there's any more that comes out of this uh, white supremacist alt-right support for Donald Trump. Uh, the video of uh, – Richard Spencer. People... Yeah, just that's atrocious. That's appalling. And uh, Trump has denounced all of that, but denouncing it may not be enough. They need to to just obliterate it. It, This the public outcry against this kind of stuff has to just be deafening. And um, the other thing I'm watching is the stock market, which is really uh, uh, moving into record territory here. And, so apparently Wall Street is is pleased with uh, Mr. Trump's election, and we'll see if that continues. Uh, it's good news for all of our 401ks and IRAs and all of that, if that is the case. You can find me on Facebook at Joe Henderson, commentary, columns, and such. And uh, if you are on Twitter, you can find me at J. Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. And happy Thank Thanksgiving.
0: Happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to be watching a lot of stuffing and um, and pumpkin pie tomorrow. And after that, uh, I'm curious as to whether or not this um, pursuit of uh, Mitt Romney is for real or is it an aberration? We'll see. I'll, I'll be watching that, and I may watch a little football over the weekend. And, and Marab, for you, I will, may try to find a Syracuse basketball game and uh, – you were quite fortunate, frankly, for not being in Syracuse at this point, because I think they got 16 inches of snow this week. So um, the orange, the orange, got snowed under there. But we, uh, we will keep, we'll, we'll keep following them for you. Anyway, we thank you all very much for joining us on this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. Um, we hope that you have a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving holiday, and we'll catch you next time around. For Joe Henderson, John – Tom Jackson, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, Alan Steinberg, and Maraf Safir, I'm Jim Williams, your host for the Politically Incorrect podcast. Have a lovely day.